It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks so much for being with us. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and special guest Diane Bennett. Yeah, so many people are still cautious about what's ahead for the economy, and that makes navigating the current housing market more interesting. So in today's market, you know, lots of people have questions, should you buy before you sell? Is now the time to be buying your first home? And what's ahead for interest rates? And these are um, some difficult questions that we're going to tackle today. And to provide her perspective, we want to welcome back to the show, Realtor Diane Bennett. I am grateful that Diane is here. You know, I'm also grateful for the recent sickness Kevin has because he's got that radio voice. Sounds so good. Oh, <laughs> thank you very much, <laughs> Michael if, Paul Bernard. All right, second half of the program, we've got some great questions from fans of the show. If you have a question, reach out to us. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyradio.com. Right next to that, wisemoneyblog.com, if you haven't checked that out recently. And then you can submit questions all over social media as well. Wherever you check that out, you can find The Wise Money Show, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Just search Wise Money Show, Instagram as well, wherever you're at. Just You can check us out there. All right, Diane, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me back. So uh, Diane's been a regular on any time we're getting a real estate update or have some real estate issues to discuss. And we've got a couple of important ones today. But before we dive into that, Diane, just tell us a little bit about you. So my name is Diane Bennett. I've been in real estate for 12 and a half years. It was my husband's idea. <laughs> and um, so love what we do. We launched our team named Inspired in 2010. And we actually left from our beloved Remax 100 in January of 19 to just be freestanding our own brokerage Inspired Homes. We have eight agents in Indiana, three agents in Michigan. And we're growing. It's awesome. That is awesome. And a new location, a great, nice new location Cute on State Road house. 23. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I have worked with Diane for a long time, and and this the the testimony I often give is, she could sell your house just standing in line at Starbucks. And, uh, <laughs> it does happen. So she's just such a connector and loves to help people and serve people. So fantastic realtor. All right, before we dive into some some kind of current issues that are impacting you and the housing market, Diane, just give us an update as to the state of the housing market right now. Is it is it a buyer's market, seller's market? Is there too much supply, too much demand? I know it's location-centric, really, but what's going on? So the first thing I want to tell you is um, actually how you determine whether it's buyer or seller market. So we have something we call an aging report, and we try to figure out what is the supply based on the past demand in the last six to 12 months. And so if it looks like there's a six-month supply of homes, that is a stable market. So if it's fewer months on market, like let's say you sell in this particular neighborhood six houses in six months, and there's only one house for sale, you have a one-month supply. That is a very 
strong seller's market. Right, okay. And so you're going to likely get a bidding war on that property. If you have, you know, maybe a nine-month supply of homes or a 12-month supply of homes, now you're really into a very strong buyer's market. Um, in, you know, 2008, we were having 18-month supplies of right. homes. It was rough. So um, I would tell you that our market here in St. Joe County, Indiana, and dipping into um, Elkhart County in southern Michigan and stuff like that, it is very price range specific as to whether or not it's more stable or a little bit still on the seller side. And it's mostly with the $200,000 price point, things under, it's still pretty strong seller's market under 200000 Yeah, You get a little over, especially maybe over the 300 mark, and it's much closer to stable. It's not a buyer's market yet. It's definitely still closer to stable, but you're looking at like a five, six-month supply in those higher price points. So that's kind of where we're at. Okay. Actually, you know, just anecdotally talking to clients and seeing things, I, that seems to make sense. I had someone who had a rental that was priced, say, 100000 and he sold it within 24 hours. Yeah. Right. And then yet uh, in our neighborhood, Diane and I actually happen to live in the same neighborhood. There's houses moving, but then there's been some houses that have stayed on the market for a while as right, well. So right. got it. OK. But stable, if they sell within six months, that's still considered stable. Yeah. So they're just not flying off in a day anymore. So. OK. So with the housing market so strong, uh, finding the house that you want can be can be tricky. You don't want if you've got certain things on your checklist, your punch list, then not every house is going to meet those. And so when you if you're looking to move and you're looking for those certain features, if you find it, should you jump on it and buy that house before selling your current one just because the market's so strong? Where are we at right now with that issue? Should you buy your next house before you sell your current one or sell your current one and then buy? Right. So that is very person specific. It totally, it has everything to do with the individual that's making that choice or the couple that's making that choice if there's a couple people that own a home together. Um, So it definitely depends on your financial situation. Some people financially cannot. They absolutely cannot sell first and then buy. They're just not financially able to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're financially able to do so and you have that luxury, some people have no mortgage left on their existing home and they can go get a mortgage on the new and then sell. If you can do that, it makes your negotiating power so much stronger because if you have to sell to buy, but you're not sure you're going to be able to find what you want to buy, and, and you go, so then you go to try and find something and say, well, it's contingent on me selling my house. Well, this seller over here doesn't want to accept your offer that's contingent on selling a house, especially if it's not even on market yet, which some people don't want to put it on market till they buy. Right. So it's just you, your power to buy over here is a lot stronger if it's not contingent on your selling. If yours is already pending, people, people accept those kinds of offers all the time. But if yours is not under contract, this seller on the side you're trying to buy is much less interested, especially if you're in competition with somebody else. Yeah. They're going to take the non-contingent offer over your cof- over your offer all day long. Are, are there a lot of contingent offers these days? There are some, and it's so funny. In in Michigan, we've had a category of sale that is active on market but contingent with something mm-hmm. it, for years. Well, Indiana just added that category maybe a couple years ago. And it's so interesting to see how many are listed as active and how many are listed as active contingent, which is technically under contract. Now, there's a whole bunch of different kinds, you know, active mm-hmm. contingent with a first right of refusal where someone has written an offer um, that they have to sell it. So the seller has accepted it and left it on market. 
um, hoping that someone else might come along, Mm -hmm. but these people have the first right. Those kind of houses might still get shown. If it's active contingent hoping for backup offers, they have like accepted an offer that may just be kind of normal, but they're just saying, hey, in case I want to get a backup offer. A lot of buyers don't want to write an offer on a house that's active contingent accepting backup offers because they're like, well, you know, if you've already got that offer and I put mine in, right. I'm only making your first offer stronger, stronger. because you're going to decide, you know, oh, I don't have to do those repairs that first buyer's asking for and that first buyer wants it more because there's somebody else that wants it too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's just a challenge. Kevin, what's your take on this? I mean, this is a quintessential financial planning question. Should you buy before you sell? It's just I'm noticing the market being so strong. If you're going to if you have a choice and you just want to move, it's because you want to have certain features. And therefore, you're almost baited into buying before you sell. But what what are your thoughts? Well, I I think it depends. You know, when you talk about a house that sells within six months is a stable market. I can tell you this: people that list their house and after the first month it hasn't sold, they don't feel stable. That they is, start to get stressed they, for right, sure. They would they not do. say, "Oh, this is a stable market." They would start, and it's, it's interesting because it's almost. I I compare selling a house to looking for a job. When you are in between jobs and you're looking for your next job, it feels like you've never had a job and you may never work again. And so it's all of these strange um, things happen to your psyche. And so I think part of this whole process is making some decisions. But so I'm going to just go out on a limb and just say, if you're going to do this, make sure you've got your budget yep. down. You're working closely with your financial advisor, but hire a realtor. We are we are huge believers in professional advice and the wisdom that comes from and I could I could go back over the twenty five years that I've been buying and selling real estate and doing these things and, and tell you almost per transaction how I personally benefited and, and my situation was enhanced because I was working with a professional. A professional, absolutely, who has your best interests at heart and who can help guide you through that decision because buying before you sell is risky, but in order to get what you want, if you have a stable financial situation, that might be the right the right choice for you. First-time home buyers are also in a pickle right now. Prices are high. Financially, things might be a little tougher for them. So we're going to talk about if you're a first-time home buyer, how do you approach this housing market? That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If you're a first-time home buyer, how do you approach today's market? Housing prices are high. Maybe you're still dealing with student loans or some other financial issues. How do you approach it? We're going to be talking about that with real estate expert Diane Bennett here in just a minute. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks so much for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn, and like I said, special guest, Diane Bennett. Special thanks to the attorneys at South Bank Legal and First State Bank for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. If you have any questions, we're talking about kind of kind of the state of the housing market right now and some unique issues facing, uh, facing you right now if you're looking at buying a house, uh, reach out to us. We'd love to help. 574-222-2000. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000. Social media, wherever you do that, you can just search the Wise Money Show, submit questions that way, and then online, wisemoneyradio.com. 
All right, we left off talking about the importance. You know, the, we've got this tough decision. Should you buy first and then sell? Boy, a couple of years ago, after 2008, so 2009, 10, 11, I told everyone, you sell before you buy, right? Oh, even if that at means, that time, always. Even if that means you've got to move twice because you'll have to move into, you know, Kevin's house uh, <laughs> or an apartment or something like that. But but nowadays, because the housing market's been so hot for so long, it's more of a difficult choice. And we left off with talking about the importance of having a realtor, a trusted realtor that you can talk to about these sorts of things. Diane, what else would you mention about that? Well, so for example, when we purchased a little building for our new office at Inspired Homes in Granger, we specifically hired a, a commercial realtor because I focus on residential and I knew there were things in the commercial field that I didn't know. And I sell real estate every day. Mm -hmm. We sell 150 houses a a year, I mean, easily. Mm -hmm. So, and I hired someone because I don't know the commercial world. So whether I'm working with a seller or a buyer, I'm always recommending that they have a professional who does this every single day. You don't know what you don't know. If you're selling, you wanna have the protection of someone that's gonna be able to advise you well. You can easily get more money for your home, even though you're paying some commission, if you've hired someone to help you sell it, help you know what to do to get the top dollar for it. And if you're buying, you want to be protected that you're not overpaying for something. You want to make sure that, you know, they're navigating the whole inspection and repair process with you. Because what if there's something major wrong with the house and, you know, you're you even if you hire an inspector on your own, you don't really know what things you should be able to ask for and you're not um, necessarily sure if that's something that most sellers would pay or not pay. It's just it's just better to have a professional. So Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think one of the interesting things when you when you think about buying a house, one of the, the trends that we've observed is um, millennials compared to the generation above them, the Gen Xers, are about eight percentage points behind home ownership at the same age. So basically, at, at, at the same age, there were 8% more Gen Xers that owned homes than there were millennials. So it's it's interesting to me, um, it feels like the millennials are getting a little bit of a um, uh, a bad deal in, in getting into the starter home market right now, as you look at that, yeah. because um, the starter home market is very strong. Like we said, your friend who was selling the, the house for 100, he sold it within 24 hours. Um, I've seen uh, this year a number of houses that have sold that that would have sold for considerably less back when everything had to be perfect. And now, as the demand continues to just yeah drive along. So, what do you do if you're a first-time home buyer, Diane? I mean, if you're in that pickle, do you, do you say, hey, no, prices are too high and there's too much competition, it's too much of a seller's market in that below 200 range, that first-time home buyers, you should be patient? Or do you say, no, you, I mean, 
building wealth, one of the best ways to build wealth is home ownership. So you need to get on that train. Absolutely. All day long, I would buy. For First of all, buying is so excessively less expensive than renting by so far. Even if you rent a house as opposed to an apartment, the homeowner, the landlord, has higher taxes because he doesn't have homestead exemption. So besides the fact that he wants to pad his own pocket because you know that's what he's he's renting so that he can make money, not that he's trying to be greedy from your money, yeah. but he's that's why he's renting, right? And so, um, but in addition to that, the government takes more money from you too because the taxes are higher just because it's not exempt. So there's so much savings that you can have to to own instead of to rent. Then you're building the whole equity thing, mm-hmm. and it, the interest rates are still so low. They're so crazy low that you're you're definitely building wealth, and, and it makes so much more sense to go ahead and buy. If you get an agent that's going to help you, if you do happen to like a house in a bidding war, a great agent with great experience knows how much you how to how to navigate that how to write the offer so that your offer is the better offer than the other offers they're getting Mm. so that's interesting you bring that up about interest rates we're going to talk about that here in just a minute because just a month ago we got the first fed interest rate cut in over a decade and we'll we'll talk about that but but the mortgage rates are based off of the 10-year Treasury, and the 10-year Treasury has just plummeted this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, that w- if, if what's happened to the 10-year Treasury has happened to the stock market, there'd be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is, mm-hmm. it is astounding. So thanks to interest rates dropping, mortgage rates are a little bit more competitive for, her, for first-time home buyers. But then there's this issue, and Diane, I don't know how much you see this, so I guess I'm curious if you have any stories, but... Um, first-time home buyers who maybe are hesitant to buy a house or maybe have a hard time qualifying because of what we've heard about on the news all the time, high student loans or other financial issues that maybe get in the way of them being able to afford the house they want or even being able to buy, period. Do you see a lot of that? Well, for sure. Debt to income ratio is, is definitely a thing. And I would tell the younger um, you know, students and whatnot, start now and get a credit card and pay it off every single month so that you can be building a credit score. Um, Trina in our office just bought her first home at 22 paying like less money than she was paying in rent mm-hmm. a month and she's going to own a house with a yard and a half court basketball and you know all this great stuff so that's a thing but you can get three on a, three tonight over at what there, over at trina's house <laughs> trina, right just kidding. hi trina so anyway so um but you definitely can have there's loans like fha's got some that it's only three and a half percent down so you can get loans if your debt to income ratio is is a struggle then you're going to need to work with a great lender that's going to be able to help you figure out what's the best loan product to help you get in it's always great to have 20 percent down not everybody has that um can you can you get a conventional loan if you could do a three and a half percent or five percent down conventional loan that's going to be better in the long run because you don't have there's a thing called pmi private mortgage insurance on a fha loan that stays the life of the loan if you don't refinance so conventional is is stronger, so, but so some people FHA, can't get. The FHA is the one where you only need three and a half percent down. I, there are some com- some conventional products that might be as low as three and a half. I know there's some conventional at five percent down. So I have um, sold a couple of houses where they basically the seller their offer was, hey, you increase the price of the house a little bit, and the the seller, I'm sorry, seller increases the price and you put, you you concede that to the buyer. So the buyer doesn't even have 
any money down. It's just at closing, they get 3.5% from the proceeds of the house. That sounds a little a little too creative. No, no. It's, is that it's, legitimate? It's very that legitimate? common. Just oh. just wrote an offer this week with a, with a buyer that asked for closing costs to be covered. Okay. And some sellers look at that and they're like, well, if they can't afford their own closing costs, why are they buying a house, right? They don't have any business. No, no, no. Some of them have the cash in the bank. But they want to save the cash in the bank for unexpected expenses that they get because they just bought their first house. Yeah. So if you're a seller, don't be afraid to pay closing costs. It just helps that that buyer get into your home. No big deal. But yes, you're exactly right. It's it's totally fine for a seller to. So like if the price is a hundred thousand, um, and you want to pay a hundred thousand, well, I want three thousand dollars in closing costs. We'll pay a hundred and three, and that's still a hundred thousand to the seller. So it's got to appraise though. It does have right? to appraise. Correct. It does have to appraise, but. It's it's a very common thing for a seller to pay closing costs. Well, you know, so we we started this segment talking about the advantage of having a realtor. If you're a buyer, and especially if you're a first time home buyer and you've never dealt with this before, I mean, there's no excuse to not have an agent, right? I mean, no excuse. Find someone that you trust. It's not. I mean, I hate to bring this up. It's not costing you anything. Find someone who you trust who can help guide you through those those decisions. So, okay, we also talked about interest rates. That has plays a big role in the housing market. And you could almost say the housing market's been so strong for so long because interest rates have stayed so low. Well, we're going to talk about, well, what's ahead for interest rates? What does that mean for the housing market? We've got more with Diane Bennett and the rest of us at The Wise Money Show. Uh, More coming up. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What's ahead with interest rates and how is that going to impact the housing market? How does that impact or how should it impact your housing decisions? We've got that question for Diane Bennett coming up. Thanks for being with us. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me, as always, in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn, along with a special guest, realtor Diane Bennett want to say thank you to Diane Bennett and her Inspired Homes team for being a loyal supporter of the Wise Money Show. From our very first episode, we're now in our fifth season. Thank you, no Diane. No kidding, five we, seasons. We couldn't have done it without you. also want to thank Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies for partnering with us over that exact same time period as well. We're so blessed. Thank you very much. All right. If you have any questions, you can reach out to us a few different ways. Anywhere on social media, just search Wise Money Show. Connect with us there. Online, wisemoneyradio.com, and then call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. We've got a couple great questions. Tom's got a great question about downsizing and all that. We're going to hit that in just a minute. But let's talk about interest rates. I have been cautious leading up to right now about, boy, how strong can the housing market stay? Because up until this point, interest rates and mortgage rates were heading up. And so, boy, was it a year and a half ago? 30-year rates were well over four, some close to 5%. And you'd look at buying a certain level of house, and now the mortgage, what you've got to pay for that mortgage is is much higher. And that's come back down immediately um, since since then. So what are your thoughts, Diane, as how interest rates have moved and how that's impacted the housing market, or, or has it not? No, the interest rates always do impact 
for sure. And it does help sellers know that buyers are, are willing to buy when the interest rates are lower. But just know that I've worked with people over the years who have been in the industry for many years. When I bought my first home, interest rates were 8%, right? I have friends that sold when interest rates were 16, 18, and 20%. So people still always have to buy and sell houses. Your buying power is significantly increased. You can, If you're going into your lender to talk about what can I buy, typically they're going to say, what's the most important to you? The interest rate you get, the monthly payment that you're going to make, or I don't remember what the third thing is. But if you're looking and you're talking to your lender about those three choices, she can usually, he, she can usually get you two of those three things, mm. right? And so the lower the interest rate, the lower your payment can be. Yeah. And the lower your so like when you go in and you buy a $100,000 house and you pay it for 30 years, well that $100,000 house is going to cost you maybe 200,000 if the interest rate's higher, yeah. but maybe 150,000 if the interest rates are lower. So it just depends. So that's why interest rate makes so much difference is over your 20, 30 year life of paying for that loan, that's how it impacts you. And I'm assuming you guys are, you know, faithful fan to the Wise Money Show when she says talk to your lender about that. I'm assuming you heard talk to your financial planner. Yes, talk to your financial and planner And your too. lender and about your that. Lender, yes. Because you want to make sure that the loan that you pick out and certainly the house that you pick out fits well within your financial plan. We see a lot of people who have a certain budget and houses are emotional. You want to live in a great house in the right neighborhood and all sorts of things trickle down. We've talked about that right. when you were on the show before. And, but you want to make sure that fits within your financial life, because if you can get into a house, but you can't retire, <laughs> or you can get into a house, right. but you'll never take a vacation, oh, you will hate that house. Trust, trust right. me. Right. And so you want to make sure it all fits together. Did you see any softening in the housing market, say, six to eight months ago when interest rates were, when mortgage rates were a percent higher than where they are right now? I, I think it, that happened right well, in the fall anyway. And right, so, but there's also time of year stuff. So we yeah. also see, you know, peaks and valleys just because of the time of year. There's a lot of people that think, oh, I don't want to list my house until spring because that's the hot market. Well, there are more buyers that buy in the spring typically, but we do sell homes 12 months out of the year. You could list in December and sell in a week. It just depends. You know, there's less yeah. houses for sale. So even if there's less buyers, there's less houses for sale because people are always thinking, you know, whatever. So, yeah, absolutely. I say that they need to talk to their lender because their lender is going to help them choose which mortgage product fits them. But don't buy anything, a house or a car or anything, if you don't talk to your financial planner. Yeah. I, I don't buy anything without talking to Mike Bernard. Just saying. Yep. <laughs> kind of you to say. So, Kevin, what do, you, what, do, what do you think or what would you offer with this conversation about interest rates? Where do you think things are going or how do you, how do you kind of boil all this down? Yeah, I, I would not really prognosticate. I, I mean, the, the big idea, in, in my humble opinion, is if you are young and you're looking at buying a house, even though financially it, it can be much cheaper to own a house, it, it or it may feel like that in the short term, once you factor in all the costs of, look, I have, a, I have to have a lot more now, I have to maintain that, I have all these other things, I would, I would just make sure that I am being completely objective. I make my checklist and say, what things do I need to have in order financially before I buy the house. Because the hard thing is, as a 25-year-old buying your first house, you you want to talk to someone who's been 25 at least twice, right? <laughs> so 
talk to someone who has experience because they can tell you, look, you're you're probably not going to be in this house more than five years. And as a 25-year-old, it's hard to believe that I'm not going to be in this house more than five years. Like, I'm going to move into this house and uh, I have a one-car detached garage. That's all I'll ever want. And I'll let my wife park in the garage and we'll be so happy forever. And then over time, we say, no, we have different needs. And then as you have children or whatever, as life happens, so... People have a hard time believing that you're, on average, people only stay in a house for five years because you say, no, 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 my parents lived in this house for 45 years. Yep, your parents are on the far end of that average. So I would say if you're, if you're, if you're younger, on the younger end of the spectrum, and this may not be your forever home, I wouldn't get too caught up on what interest rates are or anything else, I would I would get caught up on the things that I have complete control over, and then I would make sure that those are in order, and that I'm I am positioning myself in a position of strength, not a, a position of well, if everything works out just right, we might be able to afford this. I actually, yeah, I just good on my soapbox here. I wonder if that is more of an issue with new home buyers than student loans or other things that it's just hard for them to come up with some sort of down payment and envision themselves and then take that leap. I don't I don't know. I mean Diane, you see more of it, but we read a lot about oh student loans are inhibiting people's ability to qualify for a mortgage. I don't know. I think there might be a lot of other factors too, a lot of which Kevin mentioned about getting your you know, getting financial strength. Um, that's critically important before you jump into the house. So, all right, Diane, before we jump into listener questions, so what is what should someone look for in a realtor? Oh, good question. So, definitely experience because, you know, just because someone is um, a rookie and they have a lot of excitement and they want to help you, do they have the knowledge and the background to answer your questions and get you the answers that you need. So, for example, at Inspired Homes, we have some great rookie agents, but we have a, a team model that enables each rookie agent to work with a mentor. So so you've got lots of information to help you know that the decisions that you're making are wise ones. It's like working with your financial planner because they have twice your age worth exactly. of experience. Yep. Same thing with your realtor. So it's okay to work with a, a rookie agent if you know that they're working with someone that's mentoring them. Working on a team, not just in an office. That I'm an agent in a big office and there's other agents that have been around here longer because Kevin... We've talked about that in the financial advisory world. Oftentimes, you're competing. You might be friendly, but you're competing. Diane has a team. You guys Correct. work together. Well, and actually, now we've broken the big team of 12 to three small teams. So wow. there, there's a mentor and two other agents under the mentor, and they work meeting every single week, talking on the phone every single day to make sure that how are you handling this client? What are you doing with that client? Making sure that the client's needs are being met. And, and it also enables the the agent to have a life we you know cover each other when we go on vacation which happens you know with solo agents as well they go on vacation they have somebody else cover but somebody else that covers hasn't been talking about your your transaction for every single day for you know as long as you've been working with your agent so experience i heard team but then you just kind of threw something out there that i know about you and that is you know, someone that cares. You're not just going to be a transaction to them. You want to find a realtor and a team who actually cares about you and your situation, what's best for you. Right. I mean, if we don't care about you, we're not taking 
care of you and making sure the decisions that you that you would never refer to us again, right? Right. I mean, it, some people think, well, why would you care about me? Aren't you only worried about making your commission? Um, no, I actually will do better financially myself if I do well for you. Yeah. So mm-hmm. why would I be so yeah. worried about me? I need to. Wor- I mean, you are my job. You are. You're exactly what we want to do. So. All right, we've got a great question here from Tom about downsizing right before retirement. This is a pickle that a lot of people are in. So we're going to talk about that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thank you so much for being with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and special guest, realtor Diane Bennett. If you've missed anything, we've been talking about critical issues relating to you and the housing market and interest rates and all sorts of things. Should you buy before you sell? If you're a first-time home buyer, how do you address this market that's been so hot? If you've missed anything, I'd encourage you to catch up on this episode and any others. You can do so a couple different ways. First, on YouTube, you can search for The Wise Money Show right there on YouTube. Every episode is recorded and posted right there. I'd encourage you to subscribe to it and then click the bell for notifications. So anytime we drop new content, a new video, talking about interest rates or something else, you're notified right there. Second is on podcast. Every episode we throw on podcast. So wherever you listen to podcasts, you can catch up on this episode and all others. Once again, just search Wise Money Show wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, I would encourage you to rate the show and even like it, post a comment, something like that. Not only does that give us feedback, but it helps other people who are looking for content about wise financial principles, helps them find us. So thank you in advance for that. Lastly, online, wisemoneyradio.com. Every episode's right there as well. You can, you can submit questions there, which is what Tom did. Tom is 58 from South Bend, and here's what he asked. My wife and I are now... Uh, now have both kids through college, and we're still in the same house. We've always thought we'd downsize at this stage, but I'm having a hard time finding a house that we'd like at a reasonable price. Is it common that a ranch house with less square feet would cost as much or more than our four-bedroom, two-story house? We, Kevin, we see this all the time. All the time. Yep. Right? So, Diane, what's, what's your perspective here? So, first of all... Um, in the whole building process, right? When a builder's building a home, a ranch, which if for those that don't know what a ranch is, it's a one-story home. The footprint, which is the foundation, whether it's a slab or a basement or whatever, the footprint is larger for a ranch than a two-story. And the roof line, these are the two most expensive parts of the build, mm. the footprint and the roof line. So even though there's less total square footage because it's not stacked on top of itself, it's more square footage for those two features. So so just the construction alone costs more. Second, you've got popularity. Mm. This is what many empty nesters and beyond want. So that whole sandwich generation, sorry, I'm bumping my microphone, that sandwich <laughs> generation that has their kids are growing and now they've got their parents that they're about to you know downsize for their parents too, that sand, sandwich generation wants ranches. Their parents want ranches before they're going into the assisted living or whatever. It's a very popular 
house style. So supply and demand, we've got you know economics working against that price or, or working to push that price up. Yeah, and this is a, it's a great question, Tom. And I've seen this where folks have said, listen, I want to downsize and we live right now in a $350,000 house. And I, I, I've, I had a front row seat to this. So they were going to downsize and get the the kind of the forever home that they that ha, is equipped age with, in place. Yeah, and they ended up getting it built for about five hundred and fifty. So all of a sudden, they added a couple hundred thousand onto the cost of their house. And I I looked at that and I thought, well, then the 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 end result it's a pretty sweet house, but if you if you don't if you're not firm on what you're willing to spend. It's kind of tough because if you've got some resources, all of a sudden you say, well, yeah, I want that. Yeah. And let's finish that basement and let's do this and let's do if we're that. We're going to do this. Let's get what we want. Right. Yeah. And so because I love, you know, I this the house that we live in now is the is the only house I've ever lived in where my bedroom is on the main floor. And I will never, ever have a bedroom either in the upstairs or in the basement ever again. Yeah, yeah. some of you guys know that I've had some hip issues. I mean, I'm not even 40 yet in, <laughs> and having some hip issues. And I remember when Diane was walking us through uh, in one fateful night, we sold our starter home, which we were very blessed. It's not a typical starter home. We were very blessed. Cindy was eight months pregnant. Yes, <laughs> she Diane, was. Diane says, okay, we got to go find your house quick. And uh, so she, we jumped in the back of her car and drove around all night to find, to find a house. And I really didn't appreciate it at the time. But the house that we bought was the first one Diane took us to. And the kids' bedrooms are all upstairs, but the master is on the main level. And I thought, oh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's okay. I remember telling Cindy kind of will feel weird if we're not next to the kids. And she said, no, you're going to want this. And sure enough, just a few years later, because of this hip issue, yeah, I'm so glad I don't have to, I won't have to go up and downstairs when I'm on crutches for six weeks. But yeah. it is, it is very common for the young couples with little ones that w they do want that master on the second floor with the kids. It's very common request. Here's what I would tell you though, if you're listening to that, you can just turn the monitor off and it's like they're not even there. <laughs> well, and when they're when they're older and they're teenagers, then you really do like having yeah. your own space and letting them have their space. It's nice. So for these uh, so I would tell you one other thing as a financial planner, if your retirement plan is relying on you downsizing, I'd caution you just because of the countless times that we've seen that, I maybe that's how it will work out for you. I wouldn't build a plan relying on that. So often you might downsize, but not down price. Right. And, and so um, don't have your retirement plan, your financial plan dependent upon that. So, okay. Anything else you'd, you'd add for, I mean, is there enough supply out there in St. Joe County or Southwest Michigan? What Elk much County? of the builders are building now are the ranches. Okay. It's, it's a very common build right now. And so just as a perspective, price per square foot, is it, is it cheaper to buy a used house per square foot? Absolutely. Considerably still? Yeah, the older, the older homes are definitely lower price per square foot just because that's what they're getting. And the newer homes, things like because of the bubble, 
there's con- we lost in 2008 to 10 to 12 we lost contractors they got out of that business because there wasn't new construction going on so there's fewer contractors so they're very busy so they can kind of dictate whether or not they can come pour that driveway today or two weeks from now because they're stacked up so that causes delays with it um, all of the materials have increased in price. So, yeah, builders are telling you it's it's not just their stuff that's costing them more and what they're paying for subs. It's also the supplies are costing more. So, yeah, the price per square for a new construction is significantly higher. Yeah, it is interesting working with contractors. Uh, they're one of the few um, professionals that don't have to call you back. Like, <laughs> like you, you will call them back and call them back and then – and I'd say if you're working with a contractor, beware. Uh, get a couple of different prices because I've worked with contractors and I've gotten a price and I thought, whoa, what's going on? Well, it's the if you want me to do it, I'll do it for this price right. bid. I'm way too busy, so I'll just really jack the price up. Right. And, yeah. I'll I'll drop everything over here and come do this if you can pay me. If you pay me more. Yep. All right. Well, I, let's. Oh. I'd love to throw in too if yeah. you have teenagers not knowing what they want to do when they get out of high school and stuff like that. The trades is a lucrative place to to yeah. earn a living. Yeah. It's a it's a lucrative place to earn a living. You don't have to go to college and and you know have a desk job if that doesn't strike your fancy and you think you'd like to work with your hands. Yeah. They're always going to need work. Let's sneak this question in here real quick. I think the answer is is going to be brief. Uh, Jason's thirty nine from Granger. Hey, my wife and I would like to live on some property, and we're looking across the state line into Michigan. What do we need to consider when moving from Indiana to Michigan? I mean, Diane, is there any difference from a real estate standpoint? Well, so the market is a little bit different in Michigan. It's a really interesting animal up there. Um, but you can totally buy a house in Michigan. And and very commonly, there's more land available. So if you don't want just your little subdivision kind of lifestyle bedroom community and you want more space, there's a lot more of more space in Michigan. We do have some rural parts of Indiana that are not far from you know the hub of South Bend and Elkhart. But you know definitely there is some land in Michigan going across the state line. You're going to have a little bit different stuff in taxes. So I know you guys can address that issue more, um, what are taxes like. But, yeah, so those are the more impactful questions would be what they're paying in taxes. So Diane's team can help in both Michigan and Indiana. Correct. Yeah, it's cheaper. The the farther you're willing to drive, the less expensive the land is. Yes, true, if you're a little further out of the hub. And just what she was mentioning, if you live in Michigan, but you work in Indiana, you're going to want to talk to your certified financial planner. There's, It's not double taxation. It's just a little tricky what you need to do there, but no no problem at all. But if so, they don't know to file that right paperwork, then right. they do end up paying double taxes, could correct? Be, yes, could be an issue. Yeah, so you need to work with your financial planner. Thanks for being on the show, Diane. Thanks. Thanks so much for being with us. On behalf of Diane Bennett, Kevin Corhorn, myself, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.